In a 38-24 win against Washington State, Oregon showed why they are such a legitimate Pac-12 and college football playoff contender. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Prize Picks, the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in the North America. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Oregon, for the second time in three weeks, will be on college game day on the road. That's pretty awesome. It's going to be an awesome crowd. Again, Oregon has opened as a five point favorite, depending on where you look at Utah. Not going to be an easy football game, which we'll talk about all throughout the week. But I want to talk about where Oregon is sitting right now on this Monday morning. Or maybe you're listening to or watching this on Tuesday or Monday afternoon. I don't care. I appreciate you no matter what. So Oregon showed why they're a Pac-12 and college football playoff contender on Saturday against Washington State. Why do I say that? Not just that Oregon didn't play their best game in one. Oregon didn't play their best game. Played a good game, not a great game. Not an outstanding game. Not a fantastic game. They played a good game. And when the game was on the line with about a minute to go, they were up 22 points on a good Washington State team. I know they had a bad week last week. I think the Cougs are about to go on a string of wins. And we're going to look up at the end of the year. And they're going to be probably at least a 7-5 and five with a chance to win a bowl game team or an 8-win team. They're a good football team. Not a great one, but a good one with a great quarterback when he's on as he was on Saturday. I mean, Cam Ward made a bunch of big time throws. I know a lot of Oregon fans might be frustrated with the secondary today and not having Kyrie Jackson, Jalil Florence, not playing the entire game. Cam Ward was awesome, but it didn't matter. And Oregon got off to a slow start and it didn't matter. And Oregon couldn't pressure Cam Ward early in the game and it did not matter. This is what really good teams look like and why I feel so confident in the Ducks right now. Am I assuming they're going to win the next five games? Nope. Do I think it's more likely that they will go 5-0 than 3-2? Absolutely. Is 4-1 the most likely? Depends on where you stand. But if they win this Saturday at Utah, hard to not see how they aren't going to be able to finish the job and go 4-0 down the stretch with Cal, USC, ASU and Oregon State, a game that is at home, and we know how good Oregon uh, has been at Austin Stadium. And gosh, that crowd was awesome. The crowd was so, so fantastically awesome on Saturday. Great showcase for the program. But Oregon brought what I, you know, described over at 750 of the game is about their B minus game, which, by the way, above average. Above average. C is average. C minus below average. D plus not good. C plus barely above average. This is a B minus game for Oregon. And they play a good team with a red-hot quarterback who got a weapon back offensively. And Oregon was up 22 points with a minute to go in the game. Did not allow a touchdown from early second quarter until late in the fourth quarter in garbage time. That's what a B-minus game looked like. And I think that the key to Oregon being able to do that is their balance. And I've heard pundits prescribe this notion to Oregon before, or the label, I I guess is the better way to put it, that they're the most balanced team 
in the Pac-12. I agree. Washington, for instance, is a very good football team. We are well aware of that. On Saturday night, they played a team worse than Washington State. They did not have their best game. They literally could have lost. It doesn't mean that if we play them again, I think Oregon is winning by a bunch. I don't. But I think that Oregon's balance was on display, that they don't have one way to win. Washington is Mariano Rivera, the greatest closer in the history of baseball. To some, I'll put myself in that camp. There are a lot of great ones. Mariano Rivera for his entire career threw one pitch. You knew that pitch was coming. Every time, it was a cutter. It was low to mid-90s. It was a cutter. He was throwing it all the time. You knew it was coming. Every now and then, someone got a hit off it. Didn't matter. Guy's still the best to ever do it with the, with the one pitch. Washington has the one pitch, and that's its passing offense, which you know it's coming. And guess what we saw last week is really hard to stop. Oregon is closer to a starting pitcher. There's an arsenal. There's a hard fastball. That's the passing attack. Well, probably the rushing attack, frankly. There's a wipeout slider. But there's also a changeup, and there's a sinker in there. O- Oregon is able to win a game in more than one fashion, and that's why I feel really confident about them right now. That's why they're a Pac-12 contender, right? Like the offense gets off to a sluggish start, but the defense isn't out there, you know, allowing a bunch of points. Sure, they allowed a bunch of yards. They didn't allow a bunch of points. The offense only had 17 in the first half. But guess what? Oregon wasn't losing at the break. Wasn't like USC's defense, you know, letting everybody run wild on them or anything like that. USC, again, one trick pony. Caleb Williams plays great. They win. He doesn't. They lose. Last couple of weeks, he hasn't been great. They've lost back to back weeks. Oregon isn't like that. They have a steady presence in Bo Nix, who is just awesome week after week. I, I mean, I'll talk about him more later in the show with regards to his Heisman candidacy. But I, I mean, every single week, that guy is the same quarterback, efficient, effective couple deep shots, making plays, for the most part, making the right reads. Nobody's perfect. He's just playing really good football at a high level week in and week out. But do we need Bo Nix to go for 300 or more or 350 or more in order to have an explosive offense? No, right? Michael Penix goes for under 250 against Arizona State, has an off day. Arizona State made a really good defensive coordinator hire in Brian Ward, who was on Jake Dickert's staff at Washington State last year stifles the Huskies passing attack. And guess what? They don't have a counter, right? So if you're able to hit Mariano Rivera's cutter, good for you. You're, you're probably going to have a good game. Everybody knows the cutter's coming, still isn't able to figure it out, but it's just the cutter. And Oregon just isn't like that. They're balanced with the run game and the pass game, the way they can play defense, the way they can you know, come up situationally this year. Gosh, they've been so much better, which is something I'm going to talk about a little bit later as well. But that's why Oregon, even after the loss to Washington, a lot of fans didn't lose hope and a lot of you know national pundits didn't lose hope in, in, or, or lose belief, whatever you want to call it, in, in this Oregon team to get to the college football playoff. We, we know by now that's their ceiling. Does every team hit their ceiling every year? No, they don't. But is that the ceiling for Oregon? Yeah, I think it is because – I look at the way they run the football, the way they protect Bo Nix. You've got weapons at a variety of positions. You've got a defense that is playing well. I know Cam Ward made a bunch of big plays, but at the end of the day, you know what matters? Points. You know what they didn't give up a lot of? Points. So I, I love 
where this team is at. And this is going to be a stiff challenge against Utah. Make no mistake about it. I know that Bryson Barnes is a reason to feel confident because he is not Cam Rising. And last year, Oregon, with a one-legged Bo Nix, was able to beat Utah. And, and their defense, Oregon's defense, played exceptionally well. Their best game of 2022, it was the crown jewel of Oregon's defenses in, in the 2022 season, was that Utah game. My, my guy, JT Wistersill at Lockdown Utes, who I'll have on a Friday show to, to go into the matchup and everything, he said it was the worst game Cam Rising has played as Utah's quarterback because Oregon's defense played really well. They had pressure. They forced turnovers. They got off the field. And that's what they've been doing. That's that's what they've been doing. Not forcing as many turnovers. Had an interception of Michael Penix. None of Cameron Ward. But the Cougars in this game were 5 of 18 on third and fourth down. 4 of 14 on third. Big time progress there. Big, big time progress. So, I think that Oregon playing their B-minus game and still winning comfortably by the time the game came to a close is indicative of how good this team is capable of being. And I think that their balance is, is a big, big reason, which I want to touch on more after I touch on athletic brewing, of course, because they're changing the game when it comes to non-alcoholic beers. Bucky Irving had our athletic brewing game changer of the week. That run he had where he juked a defender out of his shoes, gosh, that was good. I'd go to the swing pass, though. The swing pass, and look, some people might even say that Patrick Herbert had the game-changing moment of the week. That highlight is still flying around Twitter. That was changing the game. Athletic Brewing Company is changing the non-alcoholic beer game. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. Over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. Go get yours. Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews can be found at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, use code Locked On get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. A second segment sip is fit for one particular time, hence the name. So, Oregon's balance continues to be a fantastic component. Not just offense and defense are capable of carrying the team through stretches of the game or keeping Oregon in games or, you know, giving you hope that they're going to come out with a win. But the balance offensively, and, and frankly, the balance defensively as well, I feel better about the offense than the defense, though I like a lot of components that I've seen defensively this year. Offensively, the balance is just crazy. So Oregon, I just want to have these stats right. Uh, Bonix went for 293 and two touchdowns. Oh, ho-hum. Um, just another average run-of-the-mill day for Bonix. And Oregon ran for 248 yards. The Ducks have run for over 200 yards in all but one game this year, and that was on the road at Texas Tech. 
And going into the Washington game, I said, you know, the one thing I want to see from this offense is can we really run the football at that level? Yeah, the answer is yes. Over 200 yards in five consecutive games. And it's not like we're, you know, forcing the run game, Mario Cristobal offense style to, you know, three, four yards in a cloud of dust. It, it's it's not like that. This is an explosive, dynamic running game that has RPO principles that I really like. Someone uh, had sent me a message recently and said, you know, Bo Nix isn't running as much. I don't like that. I do like that because that means that Bo Nix has a lower chance of getting hurt, lest we forget that's what derailed Oregon season in 2022 was Bo Nix getting hurt on uh, on what was really an unfortunate and predictable play call. But Will Stein and his RPO attack are using Bo Nix's mobility because he gets out into the flat to dump it off to a tight end or a wide receiver without putting him in harm's way. I, I mean, I, I know that fans at times throughout the courses throughout the course of several games this year have gotten frustrated with Will Stein's play calling. The numbers are pretty undeniable. Back-to-back weeks, over 540 yards of offense. That's pretty darn good. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. I think that's the expectation that, that fans get frustrated with is, well, you know, it has been perfect. Well, look at this. We are dealing with this Oregon offense right now with first world problems. First world problems. You know what real world offensive coordinator problems look like? Iowa. They had a clause in their offensive coordinator's contract once upon a time that said they need to average 25 points per game or he won't be retained as the OC. Okay, that is a real world offensive coordinator problem. A real world talent recruiting problem. Oregon has a first world problem. And that is, hey, there were a couple moments where I didn't love an individual play call. What was the final score of the game? 38-24. Oh, and we missed a field goal, by the way. Oh, wait, how much offense was it? Over 540 yards. This is one of the five to 10 best offenses in the country. And it is because they are so balanced and so versatile. And Troy Franklin's a number one receiver, but rarely do I ever feel like Bo Nix is forcing the ball to him. He's always an option, but he's never the only option. It's not 2018 Oregon where it's, hey, it's third and seven. We're either completing a pass to Dylan Mitchell or we're bringing on the punt team. Those were the only options. That's not the case here. There's more than one way for this Oregon offense to operate. And I think they've been so good at keeping defenses on their heels. Doesn't mean every single play call I think is great. Doesn't mean every single play call is great or ends up being great. It does mean that holistically, you can't complain about the offense here. You just can't because it's so darn good. They run the ball. They've got two backs who they interchange beautifully. It always feels like each running back is in for the right moment and in the right sequence and the right structure of the offense and the play they're trying to run and the concept they're going for. And Bucky and Jordan James are really good. And the offensive line has found a groove. And Bo Nix is still being protected. And he's spreading the football around, not as much on Saturday, but still doing a really nice job. Executing the offense at a high level, getting into the right plays, making good reads, not turning the football over. It's all been really good. So the balance is just a tremendous aspect of this team. And the other thing I mentioned earlier, the adjustments. What were we all frustrated with last year in the Oregon State and Washington collapses? No adjustments defensively. Hey, Washington isn't throwing, isn't running the football. 
Why can't we stop them? Well, they are tough to stop, but why are guys running so open? Guess what? That improved oh, game over game from 22 to 23 for the Ducks defense against Washington. But the adjustments in the second half have been outstanding. In the Husky game, for instance, until that final drive, if Oregon converts that fourth and three, Penix ends the game with 257 yards passing, less than 60% completion, and two touchdowns. Oregon had only allowed seven points in the second half. They had a goal line stand. And you look at the adjustments in this game against Washington State. For all intents and purposes, did not allow a touchdown in the second half. They've been an excellent second half defense this year. I have seen the adjustments. I have seen the growth from one half to the next. And and I think that statistically the defensive progress has been palpable. And that in each particular game, you have seen a well-executed game plan and you have seen adjustments as well that have helped keep Oregon in games and help them ultimately win them, right? Washington State was moving the football in the first half, had 13 points. They were going up and down the field. How many did they have in the second half? Take away the touchdown with, you know, when, when the game is already in hand. How many points did Washington State score between the kickoff of the third quarter and one minute to go in the fourth? How many? For those listening on podcasts, I'm putting up a three. Carmelo Anthony style, three to the dome. That's it. They got a field goal. That was it. That's been the case for Oregon second half, for Oregon second halves defensively this season. So I, I, I like that about it. And we saw them against Washington State. Yes, we did see them against Washington as well. And I think throughout the course of the year, the staff has earned our trust on both sides. Because the offense, sure, they've had a they had a sluggish start in the first half against Stanford, and then they turned it on. Every other game, it hasn't always been perfect. It's not going to be perfect. But the consistent production, when you look at the totality of what this offense has done so far in 2023 through seven games, it's really good. It's really, really good. The run-pass balance is there. The adjustments, the play calling, there, I think there's cleverness in the play calling. Some fans don't. I do not agree. I think Will Stein is good. I could see him being a head coach in a couple of years. I don't know about after the season. We'll have to see how everything plays out. But I think Will Stein is doing a good job. I think that Tosh Lupoy and Chris Hampton and Dan Lanning and the defensive staff as a whole are doing a really good job. They brought in the talent. And on the field, the play calling and the scheme and, and, and the game plan, it's all been there this season. Not perfect, but nothing's ever going to be perfect, right? Look at Alabama. Look, Alabama, for instance, is a really good team. I don't think a great team, but a really good team. Limited at quarterback. They were trailing Tennessee 20-7. to Then they rattled off 27 unanswered points. Oregon hasn't even been in that sort of predicament this year, where they've trailed by two scores. I'm trying to think, other than the Washington game, in which Oregon, by the way, came back and ultimately took the lead because the defense made adjustments, got some stops. The offense made adjustments, went down and moved, moved the ball down the field and scored a couple times. When has Oregon trailed by two possessions? I guess they they did against Texas Tech as well. But has Oregon trailed by more than like 11, 12 points this season through seven games over half the regular season? No, they have not. So I think that they have done a really, really good job. And I, I, I feel supremely confident 
in this team and their capabilities. I also know that Utah is a very good team, but the balance, the adjustments, the players, the way that they are playing, the way they are coached. I see progress from last year. I see progress within the context of just this season, which was, which is reflective of the players, but mostly of the coaches. I think everyone involved there is doing a really, really good job. And and that duck fans right now should feel confident that, Hey, Pac-12 championship, that's the standard for success. That was my standard for success before the year began. I, I am tripling down on that particular perspective, perspective. And the college football playoff might be more in reach than even I thought before the year, though I always felt is kind of the ceiling. They have they have shown that they are. They're, they are more than capable of getting there. And heck, you got to see who the matchup is to see like, hey, can we win the football game? Got to get there first. Got to get through Utah first. Every week, because of the Washington loss, college football playoff hopes on the line. That's the way it works. You don't have to like it. I do. But that's the way that it works. The mailbag works very simply on this show. So too does Prize Picks. So uh, with Prize Picks, that's what you call the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. That's it. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous Selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. If you'd taken Bucky Irving over rushing yards, I'm going to take a guess and say it would have hit. He had 129 of them and 51 through the air. Not too shabby for our man Bucky Irving. Go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college for a first deposit match that goes up to $100. prizepicks.com slash college. Use code college for a first deposit match up to $100. Check out prize picks today. Mailbag time. If you want to get in the mailbag, YouTube comments, Twitter, a great way to do that. If you want priority mailbag access and to be a Locked on Ducks insider, join the Locked on Ducks subtext community where you get breaking news, instant reactions, chance to talk with me one-on-one and priority mailbag Go join over there at locked on or at subtext.com slash locked on ducks or click the link in the description below wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Mailbag here. This uh, from subtext as promised priority. That's the way it goes. After a crushing loss, what is your go to comfort food and or drink? I actually don't have one. I actually don't have one. My go to comfort, I guess, activity would be watching a television show I really like. So uh, like after after the Husky game, I was watching Only Murders in the Building, one of my favorite shows of all time. Brad, mailbag question. What will Bo Nix need to do to get an invite to New York City this year? I'm thinking if we get to the Pac-12 championship game, it will be because Bo's leadership and execution, and that should be enough to get an invite in my opinion. But I'm scared his stats might not be as gaudy as some other quarterbacks like Drake May, who lost on Saturday, and the like, and has the possibility to miss out just barely with an invite. Is there anything extra he needs on his resume, are Heisman voters able to look past stats and the loss column? In short, no. So yes, they're capable. They've proven capable of looking past stats in the loss column before. You know, Caleb Williams won the Heisman last year. His team went to a New Year's Six, but didn't go to the playoff, didn't win the Pac-12. But his numbers were just so absurd that he had to get the Heisman Trophy. He deserved it, and he got it. 
Michael Penix is a guy whose numbers can certainly save him if his team's performance were to suffer. Like his Heisman campaign would not have died if they'd lost Arizona State. Would have taken a hit. It would have taken a hit. And team success has always been a part of the award. So I, I said before the year and maintained that if Oregon gets to the college football playoff, Bo Nix has a good chance to be a Heisman finalist. If Oregon doesn't get to the college football playoff, he has almost no shot to get there. He is putting up really good numbers. Like when, when we are able as a fan base to look at Bo Nix and say 293 yards, two touchdowns and one on the ground and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. There could be a time. In fact, there was a time a couple of seasons ago when 293 and two scores on just 18 completions would have been, oh my gosh, we're saved at the quarterback position. But we're just at some level, not entirely, but I think in a good way, becoming numb to Bo Nix like we became numb to Marcus. Not that we didn't appreciate him. We just got used to him and, and are maybe not always understanding how good we're having it at the quarterback position at this point in time. And then a couple years ago, I think that perspective was gained by Oregon fans when we watched Anthony Brown struggle through the season and not be able to push the ball downfield. And we realized, man, we really did have a good with Herbert and, and Mariota and Vernon Adams and Darren Thomas and Jeremiah Masilli. Man, that was a heck of a run. Yeah, it was a heck of a run. Doesn't always work like that. It can, but it doesn't always. And I don't know what Oregon is going to be at the quarterback position in 2024. That's going to be the number one offseason topic on this very podcast. I'm simultaneously excited for that and also not thinking about it because we're in the midst of a season in which Oregon can get to the college football playoff. So I think statistically the offense, because of the balance that I talked about extensively on today's show does not allow for Bo Nix to have such a great statistical season that he can't, that he could get to New York city if he doesn't have the team success to back him up. There's always been a West coast bias when it comes to, you know, Heisman voting. I mean, Penix flew way under the radar last year. Christian McCaffrey was robbed of a Heisman Trophy in uh, in 2015. Like th- those biases are still present, and team success matters a great deal. I think you have to put up really, really good numbers. But if you're clearly the leader, which Bo Nix is, and, and narrative matters as well, and narrative is on the side of Bo Nix, right? He's a household name in college football. Has been since the moment he stepped foot on Auburn's campus and played his first game against us back in 2019 everybody knows who he is name brand recognition helps bodacious baby um but i don't think there's anything at this point statistically that he can do because he's not going to start going for throwing for 400 yards a game that wouldn't be in our best interests and and i don't think that it should be a principal focus or worry for duck fans objective number one two and three is win the football game whatever that takes whatever that looks like win the football game if oregon wins the rest of their games wins the Pac-12 championship and is 12-1 and one going to the college football playoff, Bo Nix will be in New York City. Question for the show, this from Beginner Catholic. Of all the Oregon defensive players of your memory, whose tackling does this none most resemble? So this is, this is from a Twitter video that I was sent. Some of you might have seen it. There was a, a climate activist somewhere in the world who was trying to make a statement, and this nun just wasn't having it. And she comes in out of nowhere, blindsides the guy like Patrick Herbert kind of did to the Wazoo player on Saturday, just absolutely levels him, right? Good form tackle, right? And it was a, it was a funny meme going around on, on Twitter. Uh, 
the, the person that it most reminds me of, like it, it was, it was hard hitting, but also such a sure tackle. I'm going with Javon Holland. I don't know that I've ever seen that guy miss a tackle. <laughs> like he's just, he's always making the play, but he's also fast and explosive and hitting hard. So that's who I'll, I'll compare. That's what you didn't think was going to end today's episode of Locked on Ducks. Comparing Javon Holland to a nun. How about that? You guys are always pushing my limits as a sports talk host, and I love it. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, go Ducks.